It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take command on a Monday. Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson, and with us is Nikki Jabala from the Washington Post. Of course, Commander's Beat reporter. Covered the NFL for a long time. Does an incredible job. I was out in Denver for a while and and has been uh, blessing us with her reporting and writing these last couple of years in Washington, including, Nikki, your most recent piece on Taylor Heineke and uh, his obsession with Legos, which I know you were very excited doing. And I'm not going to lie, though, it was a little misleading, the headline. There was a lot more football than there was Legos, and I was a little disappointed yep. by that. Yeah. I Well, the original idea was to sit down with him and do Legos, because if there's anything that people want, it's watching me do Legos. So we kind of <laughs> changed course on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I got to, I got to mix Legos and football in one story. What could be better? So, so how did you find out that he was like obsessed with Legos? He, he posted some stuff on Instagram. It was during the off season. He builds these monstrous Lego sets that have like 5,000, 7,000 pieces. So I used to do that as a kid. So it, you know, kind of hits home for me. Was there any crossover, any of the ones that you did as a kid that he had, he had built? No, he builds the top of the top. I was more of the middle tier, mainly because the top of the top, they're like $900. They're very expensive, yeah. <laughs> yeah, mom wasn't going for that. When is I this was. like this is like the, uh, the like Millennium Falcon, like the Death Star, those ones you go to the Lego store and it's like, you know, the rest of your life is dedicated to building this item? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad Taylor's spending his time, his off-seasons like that. Yeah. Out of the, out of the streets and <laughs> dialed into the Legos. Yeah. Yeah, well, as Nikki uh, chronicled, he also did a lot of football study. And actually, you know, the main thing we'll talk about here in at least this first part of the podcast is Carson and, and some of the struggles that have become kind of the highlight of camp and how much of this is temporary, how much of this could be permanent and, and what that means either way. But reading your story about Taylor also kind of got me thinking because you talked in the piece about how he has tried to clean up some of the holes in his game he's worked with different uh quarterback coach now who who is refining his technique and obviously changed up his weight training and things like that to ultimately try and increase his quote-unquote arm strength as we call it it's a very silly term most of the power comes from the lower half but yet we call it arm strength uh get more zip on the ball all that kind of stuff and in a way that's also kind of what carson needs to do is refine you know his skill set for him it's accuracy not power but how much do you think that, and, and really I'm curious, Nikki, of your career as a reporter and Logan, uh, your experience as a player, like how much can a player in their late 20s to early 30s, whether it's Taylor, whether it's Carson, really change at this point in, in their careers? Because for Washington this year, Carson's ability to adapt is kind of the key to the whole season. 
I mean, I, I think it depends on the player, first of all. I think the interesting thing about, you know, the, the comparisons between Carson and Taylor is they both worked with the same trainer. Um, so, I mean, they're different quarterbacks, different size, different everything. Um, and I think you do have to remember that, you know, a lot of what we're seeing in camp is, and not to become like, you know, an apologist for anybody, but, you know, what we see is is not always Carson's fault. It could be the receiver running the wrong route or breaking too early, breaking too late, or they're clearly both off, but it might be on the receiver instead of Carson for why, you know, a pass is three feet over the head of a tight end. Um, So there is that. But, yeah, he has been wildly inconsistent even with that. Um, You know, it's come up in every post-practice presser, um, you know, just to see if there's concern. Of course, Ron Rivera is going to say he's not concerned. Um, This is a, you know, $28 million quarterback that they're banking on to kind of salvage their season and and honestly salvage the, you know, the the tenure of the coaching staff. I mean, year three is when you really got to step up. How does he compare, Nikki, to other quarterbacks you've covered in terms of offseason? Because, you know, in my estimation, uh, it's been more, like, inconsistent than, like, positive. And I think that's something that is, like, I'm not trying to be an alarmist, but a little bit of a red flag, you know, leading into the first preseason game. Well, (laughs) the ones I've covered, it's been interesting. It's kind of been similar to Washington (laughs) and the number of quarterbacks that I've cycled through. Um, So I got Peyton Manning in 14 when he still looked like Peyton Manning just killing it. And how were those practices? I'm sure they were very efficient. <laughs> Incredibly. Like, right. when Putin and Kubiak are running it, oh, my God, there is no standing around. Um, and I'm, so I think it's important for fans to understand that, like, when you cover, like, really good players, you know, like I played with Matt Ryan for a little bit, played with Deshaun Watson, whatever you want to say about him as a person, like as a football player, like, there's a standard that those high guys operate at. I just yeah. wanted to make sure people heard that. Yeah. Yeah, no, Peyton – you mess up. I mean, there's kind of this theory that I won't say the receiver's name, but he became familiar here. Um, Pey- Peyton broke a couple guys. Like yeah. he is, he is maniacal about practice and every little detail. And if you don't do it right, it becomes kind of like the SNL skit he was in, you know, where he's <laughs> people. So now he's he's serious. And then you know, Coach Kubiak with him, it was a yeah. Those those were efficient practices. Um, so, I mean, after Super Bowl 50, it was a nice little cycle of kind of the same quarterbacks. I shouldn't say the same, but, like, a lot of them were younger, um, didn't have a ton of experience. So I had um, Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch. Um, who else? Um, were you there with Locke at all, or was that after you? I was there with Locke. Um, Teddy, maybe? Oh, the Teddy... Teddy, Teddy might have been after me. Yeah, because he was what, last year. Oh, yeah. yeah, so I think maybe that's a good comparison. Yeah. Like, how does Carson's practices compare to Flacco's practices? Um, I mean, Flacco's pretty intense. He's not going to – he's never going to be that, you know, rah-rah, high-fiving everybody, but nor right. is, neither is Wentz. So um, they're pretty similar in demeanor, I'd say. Um. But I, you know, honestly, I haven't been around a super intense quarterback aside from Peyton. Um, even Brock it's, Osweiler is a little just, California yeah, chill. 
Yeah, exactly. I, I think I was, I'm asking more about like the efficiency of their throws and their completion percentages and practices. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. kind of what I'm trying to get a beat on here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, most of the ones I had been around were very inconsistent. Mm. Peyton, Peyton was always pretty consistent. He always had mm. the wobbly ball, though. Um, <laughs> but he, he, he got it done. Yeah. Um, so there's a big difference. Yeah, I mean, the thing, so Logan, I'll ask you here, like you have access to the tape and, and you know the offense at a really high level and can, you know, maybe in a way that's different, you know, because one, you know, even if, you know, I was out there on whatever, Friday, like it's hard to tell in real time. So you kind of need the tape to be able to go back and evaluate. So even if you know the offense, unless you're like really keened in on like, okay, receiver starting at the 15, seven-yard route, did he break at the 22? Like, unless you are locked in on that on every single route, it's really hard. It's something that's pretty easy to watch on tape. So when you go back, like, how much of this, in your opinion, is Carson trying to figure out some of the stuff that Ron's talking about with the speed of everything with a guy like, you know, Curtis Samuel who runs a 4 3 one, uh, 40. Like, how much of it is that versus some of the inconsistent mechanics that have plagued him basically since his knee injury in that what was it, the 2017 yeah. season yeah 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 I mean I think the interesting thing about Carson that really sticks out to me is that he's you know like his OTA period was very very good and then he kind of had this wildly inconsistent like probably 10 day stretch of practice and I think you know we've talked about the rush we've talked about all that stuff and I, you mentioned the lower half in terms of throwing a football and I think there's a guy who is just not uber consistent with his footwork you know he's never kind of shifting his feet and even if the receiver is off even if the timing is off which is an entirely viable thing that's what training camps for it's to work and cultivate timing um he he can there's things that he can improve on you know and i think that's something that was kind of nice to see in the saturday scrimmage at the stadium was that he was very dialed in in terms of his fundamentals and like that is like high-end carson wentz but the reason you get like that and then you get low-end stuff is because his footwork is just not the same. Like I, like Peyton Manning, we've talked about him a little bit. One of the things you could set your watch by with Peyton is how consistent his footwork is, right? And it's not it's not by chance that those guys are consistent. It's not by chance that Tom Brady, Drew Brees are very consistent passers. They have excellent footwork, and so um, I understand that Ron's kind of um, you know gone to bat for him and said, hey, you know, like there's things with the receivers. We read things differently in this offense. That's all true, and it does affect your footwork because you're not used to kind of working your feet in that specific way. But I definitely think it's something that um, that can be developed and improved. And and I'm reluctant to say that he's going to do that because in my experience, guys don't fix that kind of stuff. Like you kind of are who you are at this point in your career. And maybe Nikki has different experience. I don't know. No, I would agree with you on that. I mean, I, I always think back to that. Um, was it the 30 for 30 on Peyton and Eli and how they went back and they went back to Duke and they had a receiver mm-hmm. camp with um, both the Giants and, you know, Broncos receivers. And Peyton and Eli are sitting in there like dissecting their footwork and they're on the field dissecting their footwork and this was like year 15 for Peyton so I mean it's it's all the little work behind the scenes that you know really makes it I think yeah when Peyton does the film study stuff for ESPN plus like you know he'll pull out the old footage of himself I mean his footwork on handoffs was meticulous like he would go back and watch it on that nevertheless when he's actually in the passing game um so that that level of detail is what matters and a quick point, like Peyton's footwork is unconventional. Like it's like that hopping demeanor in the pocket is not something you normally see, but it is something that he was consistent with, right? So like if Carson Wentz was like all over the map, 
but it was like the same all over the map every single time, like then you say, okay, at least he's got something going on here. It's the fact that every throw, his foot position is slightly different. His weight is slightly different within the context of the foot. Like, you know this, Craig, like when you're squatting, you kind of want to get a full foot on the ground. And the same thing when you're throwing a football. You don't want to be too toesy because you have a lot of variation in terms of how bouncy you are. So, again, like, you know, it's not that he doesn't look pretty or anything like that. It's just like the fundamentals of how his foot is interacting with the ground is a little up in the air. Well, and also the thing with him is he throws from so many different arm angles and it's so often seen as a positive and there's inconsistency with his arm slot too. Like just because you can doesn't mean you should. And I think that's part of the issue with Carson is that he's capable of basically anything like short of some of the Mahomes crazy stuff. Like it's where it's like Mahomes and Rogers and and nobody else can do it. Um, But just because you can doesn't mean you should. And whether it's, you know, some of the the stuff late last year where he throws like the left-handed flick interception late in the year, one of those games, or just the inconsistency with, with, okay, I I can throw off platform. Okay, but you have a clean pocket, so don't. Like drive the ball and and do the things you're supposed to. And also same thing with the arm slot. And, And that's just another variable where, Logan, you're talking about not every two throws look the same. Like upper and lower half were you know it's literally double the the possible outcomes and some of those are good and some of those are uh not not great there's almost a little bit of rookieism to him you know he's just so up and down like his his he'll throw from one spot he'll throw from another spot and he'll just make these mistakes in game that you're like you really been playing this long (laughs) it doesn't it doesn't add up which is to me very very strange because he's like so smart. I mean, wasn't he valedictorian or something? I mean, I think he's insane. got like he's got like a photographic memory or something. You know, that's like hearsay, and like I don't know if he's ever been like diagnosed with that. But obviously, a very very bright guy, Nikki. Yeah. Like if if Carson can't figure it out, like mm-hmm. what what is the status of this organization? Yeah, I mean, to me, they're back to the same place they always were. I mean, he's yeah. got. In my opinion, a one-year tryout here. I mean, there's no more guaranteed money after this season. They could cut him and not have any dead money on their books. They would also have no quarterback on their books. Um, and they're kind of back to where they were this offseason and scrambling trying to find a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that do you think Ron is still here if Carson is doesn't go? That's a good question, and I keep going back and forth on this. I mean, I... You know, I don't know whose decision it is on Ron. I mean, obviously Dan Snyder, but with all the turmoil this organization has undergone in the last last few years especially, but really over the last 20 years, you know, would the league have anything to say about that? Um, you know, if you, if you can't make it work with Ron Rivera, who is supposed to be kind of this culture fig, uh, fixer, then who's, who's going to come in and fix this? So I don't know. I... I could see if it's a third losing season, yeah, then you got to make a change. But at the same time, who? Right. You know? Well, so that's, that's kind of an interesting, like, sidebar. And, you know, I, I, I feel a little silly going down this rabbit hole on August 8th. Um, but, you know, we're here, so we might as well explore the space. Is like, on one hand, uh, Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch uh, had an exclusive yesterday where he got his hands and the Times-Dispatch got their hands on the report or the second report 
following the Wilkinson investigation and like kind of the culture side of the organization. And the report ultimately is is pretty good. Some of Jason Wright's comments, I think, were interesting. But we, we don't need to go like all the way down that hole. But for the purposes of this, I bring that up merely to say, like, on the culture side, Ron has built a diverse, inclusive, you know, good feeling organization. But that doesn't directly lead to wins. And like there's two different standards being evaluated here. One is like Ron Rivera, human being, where he passes with flying colors by all accounts because he seems to be a really good person. But also, if you look at his record in Carolina, he had three winning seasons and winning football games has not been something that he's consistently done on his resume. So when you talk about like where would they go if the goal is to maintain like a dignified organization you're not going to do much better than Rivera even if sometimes the podium he drives me bonkers but from a winning standpoint like could you do better theoretically yes but then you get into like who would actually want to work here I know there's only 32 jobs but like that's when you get into some of the Dan stuff and like who would actually sign up to be the coach of this organization, depending on what happens with Congress and the Mary Jo White report and all this other stuff that's just kind of circling. Right. That and I want to go back to the report because that vestry light report is paid for by the team. So it's yep, basically the team saying, look, we we're doing great. Just ask us, you know, <laughs> so it's not totally transparent. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think they want to pump themselves up quite a bit and they have made a number of changes, but to say like, you know, all the media attention is clouding all the good, great things we've done. I mean, right. Come on. Um, (laughs) and the truth is of the matter is, you know, fans don't care about your marketing and operations. They want to see you win. Um, so, and until that happens, I think everybody's going to be on kind of a hot seat, um, because that's ultimately going to determine, you know, the, the future of everybody. If you don't win, you don't sell tickets, you don't make money. And we know at some point you've got to make money. So...